Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 166. And this is my second post about going to see the movie Roma in the theater. That first post was uh, mostly dealing with the yelling man at the movie. Uh, and this one is about the actual movie. So, or maybe after the actual movie, thinking about the movie. A uh, couple of things before I read it to you. One, there is swearing. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'll swear, sometimes I won't. This one, I'm super duper swearing. Um, also, there's spoilers. So if you haven't seen Roma and you want to keep it uh, unspoiled, I'll warn you before I spoil it. And, um, and then towards the end, um, there's not as many spoilers. I don't have the exact minute point, but you know, um, I'd say the middle chunk is where the spoilers are if you're concerned about that. So this is called In Which I Get Myself Effing Mad About the Roma Movie. I, I didn't put fucking in the actual title just because of search engine reasons, but you know what I mean. Anyway, here it is. In Which I Get Myself Effing Mad about the Roma movie. I really wasn't mad about Roma while I was watching it. It was a quiet, arty experience, and I appreciated the cinematography and getting to see the very specific world it created and perhaps documented. But I didn't find it moving. I expected to. I brought a pocket full of tissues, and I did not use a single one. Not that my tears are required for a moving experience, but I was oddly unaffected, and I was trying to understand why. So I did some Googling and saw this cascade of articles declaring Roma to be a feminist film. That's when I started to get mad. Sure, there are mostly women in the film, and that's really nice and all, but crowing about it as if it's a banner feminist film? Sorry. No, now I'm mad about it. Just putting women in your movie does not make it feminist. Having your movie declare that men are trash also does not make it feminist. In fact, it is quite the opposite. Feminism holds that men are equal with women, and vice versa, of course. And in fact, men are quite capable of being great. In other words, not trash. Feminism has a bad reputation for being a man-hating ideology, but in truth, it holds men to higher standards than the trash men are often accused of being. Demonstrating that men can behave badly and sometimes leave women to fend for themselves in the world men created is not a particularly feminist demonstration. It's just something that happens. Feminism doesn't flatter men or give up on them. It says, you could do better, and you should. Which is how I felt about Roma. If, spoiler alert, when Cleo's character got pregnant, she'd been able to get an abortion, that would have been fucking feminist. Assuming Mexican abortion laws were restrictive at the time, there would still be ways to make that a more feminist movie. For example, if her employer had taken her to get an abortion where surely all the rich ladies got their illegal abortions because people with money always have more access to abortions even when they're illegal, that 
would have been fucking feminist. Even if neither of those things were possible, a feminist film would have at least discussed the possibilities for dealing with an unwanted pregnancy. Instead, this film acted like everyone needed to be super happy about a baby no one wanted. And when that baby was born dead, we could maybe not, as an audience, have been put in a position to think, well, that was probably for the best. I resent a film that made me feel relieved about a dead baby. Really. Come on. That's why abortion needs to be fucking legal. Because no one wants to feel relief about a baby born dead. No one. Come on. And then at the end, the big fucking reveal is that she never wanted that baby in the first place. What the fuck? Of course she didn't. From the moment her boyfriend ditched Cleo in the movie theater, we all knew she did not want that baby. In addition to all the personal reasons that the baby was a bad idea, she could have lost her job. It's clear a different employer would have fired her immediately. That pregnancy was a catastrophe long before it had a gun aimed at it. Somehow the movie pretends it's not, and somehow thinks that women wouldn't talk about it. Cleo is a sort of domestic saint who always does the right thing, is always put upon. The pregnancy somehow makes her more holy. I kept expecting her to get martyred, and I'm glad she survives the movie, but... I guess her declaring that she didn't want that baby is meant to be an acknowledgement that she is not an actual saint? I don't know. But domestic sainthood doesn't rank high in my feminist book. End of major spoilers. Some very minor ones ahead. This sanctification of a boy's nanny appears to be a thing. I don't know why boys who grew up with nannies feel the need to make art about them, but they do. And they seem to be these saintly, loving, self-sacrificing figures who endlessly give of themselves to help form genius young men. I'm thinking also of Tony Kushner's much-lauded musical Caroline or Change, which has similar issues of a woman of color raising white children. Both Roma and Carolina Change have been fictionalized, but both creators make it clear that their work was based on their youth. They also both drive me up a fucking tree with their magical Negro, magical Native American tropes. Anyway, speaking of how Roma was based on Curon's nanny, I highly doubt that the big fulfillment in Curon's actual nanny's life, the end of her story, was to be told that her charges loved her. I'm sure hearing what she meant to her employer's children was very gratifying. But the odds that this family never once drove her crazy and never once made her want to cry out in frustration or kick a hole through one of those glass doors, those odds are very low. I'm super glad that Curon has introduced us to Yelitsa Aparicio, who is an extraordinary Indigenous actor, and that this film got her an Oscar nomination and all that. But we never learned anything about the character she plays or where she's actually from. The barest minimum we learn is that her village looks a bit like the countryside where they spent New Year's Eve. Her Indigenousness was inconsequential in the end, and that feels like a real missed opportunity. 
especially when it feels like the only real purpose of the film is to tell us that some men can be trash sometimes. Yeah, we know. Now, can we get some reproductive freedom for everyone? I'm not saying the film's not brilliant. The sequence of the father trying to park that whale of a car in his garage is as poignant a look at masculinity as I've ever seen. But lionizing Roma as a feminist film just makes this feminist fucking mad. No, not all men are trash and not all movies about women are feminist. Fade out on a ranting feminist. Hey y'all, you still with me? <laughs> this, this is a mad one. I feel like the ones that, you know, I start writing like in the middle of the night because I'm so mad that, that there's going to be some swears involved. If, if your movie kept me awake from fury, you're getting a post. So I think that's all Roma's going to get. I, th- I, think I'm, I think I've said all I need to say. I did, um, when I posted this one, I got some comments from some of the readers. Uh, somebody suggested uh, Latinos Who Lunch did a podcast episode about Roma, which was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, hilarious. And, the, and offered some perspectives that I hadn't really um, kind of sunk into. Um, some about racism, some about classism, and they were just hilarious. Like at one point they described, like someone was is, is supposed to say the plot and he's like, oh, it's just like, imagine Mrs. Doubtfire without Robin Williams. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, anyway, there's more jokes besides that one. I did laugh out loud a couple of times. Uh, so yeah, Latinos Who Lunch was a, a fun podcast that was recommended to me by a reader. Yeah. And oh, another podcast to recommend is a podcast I was just a guest on. I was a guest on a podcast. It's my first time ever. So it's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, and if you're listening because of that podcast, maybe because that podcast is coming out today. So Mikey Pod, uh, I am on, I think these, these episodes will be released on the same day. So if you are uh, interested in hearing um, an interview with me, um, I am on the Mikey Pod, Mikey Pod podcast. Mikey as in uh, Mike, not Nike, which is what someone heard when I mentioned it to them. So uh, yeah, check out, check out Mikey Pod. My friend Michael um, is fabulous and that is his podcast and I was on it. So check that out. That's another podcast to listen to um, and support. Uh, yeah, so if you would like to support this podcast, you can do that by sharing it with your friends or your enemies, you know, whoever you feel like sharing it with. Uh, you can tweet about it, Facebook about it, Instagram, all of the socials, go for that. Um, if you'd like to support it financially, uh, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis is the place to do that. Uh, or you can shoot me a a one-time kind of donation on PayPal or Ko-fi. Uh, all of those links are in the show notes if you need a link. And yeah, so today's song <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm doing this song for my childhood self because, okay, this post is about a lot of things, but one of the things is about the ridiculousness of the like sanctitude, sanctification of, uh, of a nanny. And so I, I had to do 
the perfect nanny from Mary Poppins, the ultimate dream of a nanny. Uh, and I, I'm doing this for my childhood self because I, as a child, wanted to play Jane Banks so much. It's like so much. I, I, yeah, I was already wanting to be an actor and like this was my dream role as a child. I would never have gotten to play it as a child, but I could have sung it, but I don't think I, I would have. I wouldn't have gotten to play it, but uh, but but I wanted to so badly. So I'm singing this for my for my childhood self. Um, maybe you too enjoyed the Mary Poppins musical as a child, or currently, I don't know. Uh, it's a little silly, um, and not the usual fare here on Songs of the Struggling Artist. But uh, you know, whatever whatever is happening is the is the right thing, I think. So it's on ukulele. Again, my my new ukulele, it's now, I've had it not quite a month yet. Um, and this song allowed me to learn a whole bunch of chords that I did not know and that I like. So <clears throat> that's good news. Um, yeah, so here it is, The Perfect Nanny from the musical movie Mary Poppins. This choice position Have a cheery disposition Rosy cheeks No horns Play games All sorts You must be kind You must be witty Your tea. 